0: Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are on a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you'll hear from our panel of expert speakers. We'll allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would now like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Norma. And I too would like to welcome everyone to this call today. And this is a very, very timely call when you think about it. It's for caregivers, and it's practical tips for coping with your loved one's lung cancer during the holidays. And as we approach this time of year, there's a lot of talking about holidays and different holidays, but still it's a whole sense of a, it's, it's going on all around us. And so it's an important, a very important program to offer, particularly even before everything starts to some extent. Um, this is part two of um, the Life with Cancer series. And this is a program that Cancer Care is doing in collaboration with the Longevity Foundation. I really want to thank them for being a, such a wonderful collaborating group to work with. And um, in addition to uh, the Longevity Foundation. Of course, on these all of these programs, Cancer Care does collaborate with many other, both lung cancer organizations and cancer organizations, to really um, reach out to as many of you as possible on the call. And on today's call, um, we have over 300 participants on the call, and you come from all of the United States, from both urban, rural, and suburban areas. And we also have international participants from Canada, Caracas, India. Portugal and United Kingdom, so it's a bit of a global call as well, or it actually is a global call, um, and, um, and uh, we have um, just wonderful speakers on our program today, um, and today's program is supported by the Celgene Corporation, Novartis Oncology, and Pfizer, and I really want to thank them for their support of the program. So now moving right along, we have great speakers, and I want to begin with our very first speaker, Dr. Victoria Lai, um, Assistant Attending Physician, Thoracic Oncology Service, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Dr. Lai will be addressing caring for your loved one with lung cancer during the holidays, the important role of the caregiver on the healthcare team, and helping to manage your loved one's treatment during the holidays. It's really my great uh, privilege to. Turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Lai.
2: Thank you, Dr. Messner, for the kind introduction. uh it's an honor to uh it's an honor to be here with all of you and to speak on these very important topics and again i want to thank uh cancer care and both uh, both cancer care and the longevity foundation um for um working to put this important program together um dr Mesner mentioned the three points that i would like to focus on and cover today and um, starting with the first point um caring for your loved one with can- lung cancer during the holidays I think um, for all of us involved in, uh, in patient care um, for patients who have lung cancer, this can be both a very joyful and also difficult time for loved ones. And um, from my own experience, when I'm interacting with patients during this time of the year, I think the sentiment from patients and families uh, that they share with us are they're, they're very excited to be enjoying another holiday season. They're looking forward to the time ahead. But um, one of the key questions that they always have not really during this time of the year, but really throughout the entire treatment, is what does the future bring? Um, I think one of the fears that a lot of patients have shared with me is, you know, will I get to enjoy another holiday season in the future? Um, and it, it's really a, a, a time of the year that brings together uh, several different emotions and um, really f- I think this is the time to focus on your loved one with lung cancer and focusing on what's most important to them. Um, This is the time to really take the opportunity to interact with them and talk to them about what their values and goals are for now and the future, and really be a voice of advocacy for them. and this really ties in closely to their um uh, to uh, family members or friends' roles as a as an important caregiver on the healthcare team. Um I think oftentimes patients uh take cues from their uh healthcare providers in terms of uh what the treatment uh, what the recommended treatments may be and sometimes they're afraid to speak up. Um um, and afraid to sort of go against the recommendations if it's not necessarily in line with even if it's not necessarily in line with their own values and goals so um if if you're in a position where your loved one um with lung cancer uh has certain you know has certain uh differing opinions about certain aspects of the treatment recommendations um I think this is an important time to really regroup and voice those opinions and really have uh, a very uh, open and frank discussion with the entire healthcare team. Um, if it's treatments that are being recommended that the patient really has difficulty tolerating, um, or if, um, the, or conversely, if uh, the healthcare team feels that you know the patient's not really well enough to receive treatment, but obviously they're still very motivated to keep fighting. Um, I think this is a good time to really talk about all of those issues out in the open. Um, really uh, focus on being a coordinator, being a cheerleader for the um, for your loved one, and being that key um, bridge of communication um, between the uh, healthcare team and um, the patient with lung cancer. Um, in terms of how to sort of practical tips and how to manage um, treatment during the treatment plans or um, scheduling during the holidays, um, I would as Early as possible, talk to your healthcare providers about working appointments and tests around um, your loved one's important family events. Um, they may not always know what those are. Um, certainly, we all keep the the important events, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's Day in mind. But we, um, as healthcare providers, we don't always know specific plans that each patient and their families have made. And so, letting your team know as early as possible what those conflicts are. And uh, will allow them to be able to better work around um, your schedule. Um, this is a sort of a personal rule of mine that I've learned from my mentors and um, that, I've, uh, that I that I use during the holidays. Unless it's absolutely critical, um, try to try to avoid. Repeat imaging during the holiday season, especially right before. Um, Unless unless your loved one is feeling symptomatic, try to push that off until the new year. You know, if it's not really gonna change anything in the immediate future, it may just cause more anxiety. So trying to advocate for them in terms of scheduling, even small things like that um, can really make a difference. Minimize testing, minimize invasive procedures during this time of the year, unless it's truly necessary. Um, Really, really makes a big difference. focus on coordinating care for them, handling all the logistics, whether it's transportation, appointment scheduling, just taking that burden off of your loved one so that they can spend more time um, connecting with family members, working, uh, enjoying traditions that they might, uh, their families have, um, so that they can be as normal as they can during this Time of the year and focus on things that they normally enjoy doing um, really really goes a, lo- a long way. Um, and then uh, my my final tip is um, something that's very practical. You know, if you're caring for somebody during the loved one during the holiday season in the winter time, um, uh, make sure that your vaccinations are up to date. Make sure that other people who are coming in contact with your loved one have their vaccinations up to date as well. If someone is and going to be interacting with them, you know, ask them to wear a mask, just practical things. And, um, again, I think my, my key point is to really focus on things that are important to your loved one and trying to minimize testing and, and, and appointments during this time of the year so that they can maximize time at home with family and friends. And I think that's the most important thing that, um, uh, that we as caregivers can do for our, um, for our loved ones during this time.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Lai. That was really wonderful. What a wonderful way to start the call off in terms of just the focus on family and the holidays and and the significant others and caregivers. So thank you so much. And the person living with, uh, coping with um, lung cancer, thank you. Um, And our next speaker is um, Dr. Michelle Malaka. And Dr. Malaka is Program Director, National Cancer Institute, Division of Cancer Control and Population Sciences. Healthcare Delivery Research Program Outcomes Research Branch. And Dr. Malika is going to address the role of the caregiver in adherence, the challenge of treatment schedules during the holidays, long distance caregivers, tips during the holidays, and key questions to ask the healthcare team before the holidays about treatment disruptions, prescription refills, family visitors, weekends, traveling to different time zones, and travel bag for medications. So, it's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Malika. Thank you very much, Carolyn. Um, so, I'm really excited to be with you all
3: today to talk about these really important topics. Um, and thank you to Cancer Care and the Longevity Foundation for um, putting on this important workshop today. So, as Carolyn mentioned, I am a program director, I'm also an oncology nurse um, at the National Cancer Institute. Our institute Um, funds research that's focused on cancer, and we have several funding initiatives and activities that are focused on supporting cancer caregivers. Um, So I've been asked to talk a little bit about the role of caregivers in helping their loved one adjust to changing treatment schedules around the holidays and how to keep up with um, their treatment requirements of their loved ones. And I'll start by saying, while being a caregiver of a cancer patient requires organization and planning, this is especially true during the holidays, so doctors and treatment centers and the healthcare team might need to change your schedule for visits and treatment appointments um, or other services, but you might also have holiday plans you are considering changing or canceling. So before you do anything, I encourage you to talk with your doctor or your healthcare team. Your loved one may be able to adjust treatment slightly as Dr. Lai indicated, but it's important to discuss these plans early with your doctor so you're getting the treatment and care that you need. The holiday season can also be challenging if you're managing the side effects of cancer and its treatment. So, as so many of us have an expectation of a hectic, busy schedule for this last month and the holiday season. It's common for someone with cancer to want to be active and engaged in holiday activities. And often this may or may not be realistic depending on how your loved one is feeling. So the most effective thing that you as a caregiver can do is to try to plan ahead and have conversations to prioritize activities that are important. Um, communicating with family and friends about your you and your loved one's ability to participate in activities will help you set expectations that are realistic, and I would encourage you to ask um, friends and family members to assist with shopping, wrapping gifts, or preparing meals to give others a chance to be involved and relieve some of your stress as a caregiver. I've also been asked by Carolyn to speak about um, long-distance caregivers and some tips during the holidays. So, providing care to a loved one with cancer who does not live near you can be challenging, it can be stressful and this is particularly um, challenging during the holidays. So again, it's important to plan ahead and communicate with your healthcare team so that you know what to expect. If you can't be with your loved one during um, the holidays, I encourage you to reach out to their doctor's office to clarify their treatment schedule and make sure that you contact your loved one's social worker or home care services if that applies to see if there's any schedule changes that need to be adjusted during the holidays. Another suggestion is to arrange for some video calls with your loved one to catch up and help you feel connected. If you are traveling to be with your loved one during the holidays, this may be a good time to arrange for a doctor's appointment to connect with those that are providing care. Um, It may also give you a chance to give a small break to any local caregivers that live closer by. Um, And finally, I encourage you to take time to reconnect with your loved one by taking part in activities you like to do together, like watching movies or putting together a puzzle, taking a walk if he or she is able. It's often easy to want to fit many things in while you're visiting your loved one, but it's just as important to take time to slow down while you're there and to ask your loved one what he or she would like to do. So, in terms of key questions to ask your healthcare team, Dr. Lai actually answered a few of these already, but there might be several questions that you want to ask your healthcare team before the holidays. It may be helpful for you and your loved one to brainstorm about specific concerns or questions that might impact your ability to celebrate during the holidays, um, but I encourage you to come prepared with a list of questions that you want to ask your healthcare provider. And here's just a few examples. In terms of treatment disruptions, will we be able to keep our regular treatment appointments? Will changing our treatment or other visits impact my loved one? Who should we talk to if we need to make a change in our visit or treatment schedule? And will my loved one be more tired around the holidays, or how will treatment affect things around the holidays? For prescription refills, are there any medication refills we should get now so that we don't run out over the holidays? And who should we call if we do run out of the medication? And for family visitors, Dr. Lai made some really great points about having, um, having family that's close by and, and being aware of if a loved one is sick, but does my loved one need to limit visitors? And what about if our family has had an illness? Are there other precautions that we need to take? And in terms of weekends and holidays, whom should we call with questions? What if it is a weekend or holiday? Is there someone else that's covering? When you're traveling to different time zones, it's important to ask the healthcare provider how you should adjust your loved one's medication schedule. And when you have a travel bag, you're going away for the holidays and packing a bag with medications, you need to ask what medications should we take and Um, You could say something like, I know we should put our medications in our carry-on bags. If we're flying, are there any restrictions for liquid medications? So those are examples of some questions, but I encourage you and your loved one to brainstorm about specific questions that you might have before your visit. So I'll end by saying that, especially during the holidays, it's extremely important to care for yourself as the caregiver. Caring for a loved one with cancer requires a lot of energy, and sometimes that Um, energy during the holidays, it's important to try to take time for yourself to take a walk or exercise, talk with someone, try to keep your sleep schedule up as best as you can. And above all, remember that you're doing the best job that you can, and your role is incredibly important.
1: Thanks. Thank you so much, Dr. Malika. That Mm -hmm. was really outstanding and um, really such a wonderful So many wonderful, you covered a lot of areas and very thoroughly, but I know there will be questions for you during the Q&A as well. And our next speaker is Sharon Flynn. Ms. Flynn is a nurse practitioner, nursing research and translational science, clinical center, nursing department, National Institutes of Health Clinical Research Center. Ms. Flynn is a nurse, um, and she is going to be addressing coping with your loved one's lung cancer during the holidays, Managing family, friends, partners, and traditions, and coping with the stresses of caregiving, including holidays, birthdays, and other special occasions, with a really call-out to self-care tips as well. And now it's my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Flynn.
4: Oh, thank you, Dr. Messner, for the opportunity to be on the call today. And thank you to Drs. Lai and Malika for their outstanding presentations summarizing the caregiver role, tips for long-distance caregivers, and for trip planning. Your role as a caregiver is vital to the safety and well-being of the loved one that you're taking care of. And so with that, I'd like to welcome all of our participants and say thank you for joining this call today. Whether you're a person living with lung cancer or the caregiver of someone with lung cancer, you recognize the importance of the caregiving role and made time to be on the call today. And I want to say thank you for doing that. And so I'm going to first start by having a definition from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary of a holiday. So a holiday is a day of festivity or a recreation in which no work is done. So obviously anyone who has hosted a holiday party would probably disagree with the no work was done portion. Um, They would definitely say a day of festivity. And so we know that it takes a lot of work to prepare a house for a holiday, um, whether that's cleaning, um, cooking, um, maybe moving furniture around. And so special occasions like the winter holidays and birthdays are important family traditions that can become even more precious when someone is facing a serious illness. But even in the best of times, these holidays can be stressful, let alone if you are juggling a new cancer diagnosis, chemotherapy, or some form of treatment, and uh, multiple medical appointments. And so I first want to say that there's no right way to celebrate a holiday. Um, We um, encourage you to be creative and think of ways to modify that celebration uh, to incorporate everyone in your family that's going to participate. So in the past, maybe um, your holiday included going ice skating or playing football in the backyard. Um, And now you might have to rethink that because um, one or more members of your family aren't able to go or shouldn't go out on the ice skating rink. Um, So start a new family tradition. So instead of maybe ice skating, um, pull out a board game or a puzzle um, or watch a movie together. Focus on what is most important to your loved one with cancer and how to incorporate the love and support of family and friends into that holiday or celebration. And you can start by asking yourself, what can I realistically do as a caregiver? Your number one job right now is taking care of yourself and your loved one with cancer. And so, in the past, maybe you hosted a, a huge family event with 20 people, you cleaned the house yourself, you cooked all the meals, and think back now, is that something that you can realistically tackle at this point? Um I often think of women, um, families that have a new baby. We certainly wouldn't spring a Thanksgiving Day um, celebration with 20 people and meals on them right after having a baby. And so we have to kind of readjust um, our celebrations now um, that you're taking care of someone with lung cancer. Um, What can realistically be done? Um, Just like a new mother, we wouldn't have them do everything by themselves, and um, we're encouraging you not to do the same thing. Maybe your event can be um, at a zoo or a park, or you can switch to another family member's house. Um, Many times it's not the location that matters. It's the act of getting together that means the most to everyone. And so if you are hosting an event, ask for help. Many times, friends and neighbors um, really want to help, but they don't know what to do. Um, they ask you, oh, please call if you have something for me to do. Um, and I know at least the American culture is um, to be a little bit more stoic and, oh, I carry on, I can do it without asking for help. Um, and I want to help change that culture to say, yes, ask for help. Um, give your make Create a list of tasks that need to be done to get ready for that holiday or for that celebration, and then ask loved ones to help you um, get through that list. Um, And it doesn't include just the preparation for that celebration, but during that celebration. Don't be shy about asking family members and friends to help you. Um, Again, often they don't know what to do, um, and they're looking for you to kind of set the tone and give them guidance. And so I would um, encourage you to do that. Um, Talk to your loved one um, about what is most important to them. Remember that their experience is unique to them um, and without their input and your input, you might be tempted to overschedule and have too many activities, which might be overwhelming and exhausting um, to both you and your loved one. So reflect on what the season means to you. Um, what is most important um, to accomplish during the holiday task? Is it getting together with this special group of um, family members or friends or maybe doing um, a couple holiday traditions? Talk about it um, and and um, create lasting memories. And again, communicate with your with your friends and family, um, asking them for help. Um, Sometimes using social media and technology to send out emails or create lists such as Sign Up Genius um, or other websites um, can help um, when you don't want to ask someone, maybe picking up the phone and asking them directly for help preparing a meal or cleaning your house. Um, Social media is a great way to get that message out and and communicate to um, your support system. And as Dr. Lai and Dr. Mullica um, mentioned before, talk to your healthcare provider about specific concerns that you might have that might um, affect the ability to celebrate that holiday. Um, Maybe um, the treatment center or clinic that you're going to has adjusted holiday hours. Um, or a different on-call number. Be sure to get that information before you travel um, or, so that you know if there's an emergency um, while you're traveling or even if you're at home, who to contact, who that best person is. Um, and if any of your medications um, require that you eat a meal um, either before, or after, or during that medication, um, it's important for the team to know if um, there are designated times um, during the holidays that you'll that you won't be eating or maybe fasting. Um, work with them so that they can adjust your medication schedules to meet that need. Um, especially if you have diabetes or high blood pressure, or a medication that's taken at um, certain times during the day, it's really important that you talk to your healthcare team to make sure that you're continuing to take that medication um, at a, safely and appropriately. And as Dr. Lai mentioned, um, it's a uh, flu season is upon us. So um, as a gentle reminder to anyone coming to your special event, um, kind of screen them ahead of time and say if they have a cold or the flu or a cough, um, that we really appreciate your warm wishes, but it'd be better if they stayed at home until they fully recover. Um, acknowledge their willingness to come to the event and help ease their guilt if they um, aren't able to attend due to an illness and when people are coming into your house um, it's okay to have the hand sanitizer um, right there or to point them in the direction of the sink with soap and water to wash their hands before they start um, you know, uh, greeting your loved one with cancer and other people, um, especially our little ones that aren't always as good at washing their hands after they, they blow their nose. So remind them and help them to wash their hands and to cover their mouths um, when they're coughing. Um, And next I want to move on to um, some self-care tips um, for coping with the stresses of the holidays. Um, First, set time aside for yourself. Um, And when I say time to yourself, that doesn't mean going to the grocery store and frantically running around trying to get those last-minute items um, or waiting in line to pick up a prescription. I want to encourage you to go out to lunch with a friend Work on your hobby. Take some time to read a book or a magazine, watch a movie, go for a long walk, or anything else that you enjoy to relieve, um, help relieve the stress and anxiety of the holiday season. Um, and give yourself, as a caregiver, permission to smile and laugh and have fun. Um, You are a caregiver, and this is a very important job, and we want you to um, maintain your own health. And so part of that is going back to the basics of finding balance in your life, finding time to exercise a couple times a week, making sure that you're getting adequate sleep at night, Um, and that you're eating healthy meals, um, including your fruits and vegetables and drinking plenty of water. It's easy to kind of be on the go, go, go and forget that you need to rehydrate. So the basics of um, good nutrition and balance become even more important during the holidays, um, especially if we're out of our routine and we might be traveling. A next reminder is to keep your own doctor's appointments. Just as you're taking care of your loved one with lung cancer, um, you would never ignore one of their medical appointments. Um, The same holds true for you. Um, Make sure that you get your regular medical checkups and are staying on track with your medications and recommended uh, cancer screenings such as mammograms and colonoscopies. Some people um, cope with stress by keeping a journal, and it doesn't have to be the traditional paper and pen journal. It can be an electronic journal on your phone, on your tablet. Um, Journaling is a great technique to help us process our feelings. You might be worried that your loved one's chemotherapy treatment um, is, is taking a toll on them. You might be worried about your current financial status. A journal can help get those feelings onto paper or to screen onto a a tablet screen and help us tackle them Um, and take those. They might help us formulate questions that we can take to our social workers, to our medical team um, to help us um, get through these feelings and find solutions to certain problems. Um, Look into counseling services. Everyone needs someone to talk to, um, whether it's a good trusted friend um, or it might be a professional to help us get through that stressful period. Sometimes as caregivers, um, we feel that we need to protect our loved ones from stress, anxiety, and worry. Talking to a professional counselor or to a trusted friend um, can help relieve some of the stress of caregiving. So give yourself permission to talk to to an individual um, to meet your needs, get your questions answered, um, and to um, help with the stress of caregiving. There are lots of support groups, cancer care is just one of them, Um, but there are support groups that are happening 24-7. Sometimes they're in person, sometimes they're online in real time, and sometimes um, they are more of a blog. So ask your medical team um, about uh, support groups that they offer at your local cancer care, cancer center. And then Dr. Messner will talk about um, other ways that cancer care offers support. Um, and to get in check with your feelings. Are you feeling depressed? Um, are you still maybe in a state of shock from the cancer diagnosis? Um, we know this can affect the caregiver experience. And so you might be tempted to skip a dose of your medication, or you might say you're too busy to go to a medical appointment or pick up your prescription refill. And I'm here to tell you that you are worth it, you are worth fighting for, and that it does matter. Support is here, um, and all you have to do is just reach out for it. And so in closing, I'd like to do um, a quick breathing exercise. So if you're not already sitting down, I encourage you to sit down in a chair and with your feet on the floor and maybe um, with your hands in your lap or at least relaxed at your side. And it's okay if um, this position isn't comfortable for you. Find a position that is comfortable, maybe reclined a little bit. And so as you get comfortable, I want you to think of a location that makes you happy. This could be at the beach It could be standing next to a mountain, or maybe you're sitting on a swing at a park. And so as you're thinking of that happy place, I want you to close your eyes and think more deeply about that happy place. Can you see the vivid colors of where you are? What sounds are you hearing? Are there birds chirping in the background? Are there waves crashing on the beach? Or maybe there's an ice cream truck ringing its bell. Can you feel the sunlight on your skin? Or maybe there's a gentle breeze. And while you're thinking of your happy place, I want you to take a deep breath in using all the muscles of your chest and abdominal muscles. And then hold it for a second or two, or however comfortable, and then exhale. And we're going to do that two more times. And so we're going to take a deep breath in, and we're going to hold it, and then exhale. And as you're exhaling, all of the stress and worry is leaving you. You're left with only calm. And so for this last time that we're going to inhale and exhale, I want you to smile. So we're inhaling with a big smile on our face. And we're going to hold it with a smile on our face. And we're going to exhale, smiling. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. And think about this simple breathing exercise. You can do it anywhere, anytime. You don't have to be sitting or with your eyes closed. And in closing, I just want to say to all of our caregivers and our patients, you are not alone. There are networks like Cancer Care to offer support to both our caregivers and our patients on this journey. Today's phone conference is just one of many resources available to you. And I want to remind you that you can do this, and you are doing this, and you're doing it really well. So thank you for inviting me to be on the call today. I wish you all the very best of your holidays, and I look forward to your questions and caregiving tips as you share them with the group on this call. So thank you, Dr. Messner, and for all of our friends on this call. Oh, thank you so much, Ms. Flynn. That was really
1: outstanding. And I have to say that. And also, Miss Flynn has mentioned that during the Q&A, you can ask a question. But if you have a tip that really works really well for you, please feel free to share it as well with all of us because, you know, you're living with this experience and you may have things to come up with. Even if we said them, to say them again, it's okay with us. We want to hear from all of you. So, um, so for, the, for the next when we get to that next portion, we'll, we'll remind you that you can either ask a question or you can give us a tip of what works for you. Um, thank you. And our next speaker is Lauren Humphreys, and Ms. Humphreys is Senior Manager, Community Engagement Longevity Foundation. And Ms. Humphreys is going to be addressing um, the Longevity Foundation's free programs and services and the Longevity Lung Cancer um, Helpline and it's really my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Humphreys.
5: Thank you so very much. On behalf of Longevity, we'd like to thank Dr. Messner and the cancer care team for their partnership and for convening this special workshop, and we'd also like to express our appreciation to the esteemed presenters for sharing insightful tips and resources today. The holiday season is full of festive activities that can bring both joy and additional stress for lung cancer caregivers. We'd like to take some time to share some resources that can help you get connected and get support to manage some of these challenges. So thank you very much for being with us today. Longevity empowers patients and their caregivers to be active decision makers in their treatment process through educational resources, online peer-to-peer support, and in-person survivorship programs. To answer your questions, the Lung Cancer Helpline offers toll-free personalized support. Our oncology social workers are available to help you manage the emotional, financial, and support challenges you and your loved one are facing. The helpline number is 844-360-LUNG. That's 844-360-LUNG. If you're looking for reliable information on lung cancer, you can visit the Longevity website, Longevity.org. You'll find Lung Cancer 101, a comprehensive medically vetted guide with the facts you need to understand your loved one's type of lung cancer and treatment options. It's written in easy-to-understand language with videos, questions to ask your doctor, and a useful glossary. The website also has a clinical trial finder. Enter the patient's diagnosis and treatment history to locate clinical trials they might be eligible for. Some of you may already be aware of Longevity's extensive support and survivorship programs, so I'd like to touch briefly on those as well. Through our Lifeline program, we offer one-on-one support by matching patients and caregivers to mentors who have similar experiences. These support relationships are by phone, but many of our Lifeline partners have met in person at events like our International Lung Cancer Survivorship Conference held each spring in Washington, DC. Formerly called the HOPE Summit, the conference brings together survivors, caregivers, advocates, and medical experts to learn about new advances and living well with lung cancer. The conference has educational tracks for newly diagnosed patients and for those with greater knowledge level, as well as sessions just for caregivers. These educational sessions include practical, emotional, and psychosocial support topics. COPE Summit gives lung cancer caregivers a unique opportunity to connect and to share their experience. First-time attendees can apply for a travel grant scholarship. Patients and caregivers can also receive peer-to-peer support and information from our 22 lung cancer support community online message boards and 18 private Facebook groups. These groups include biomarkers, special, caregiving groups, and even a HOPE Summit alumni for keeping touch throughout the year. Lundevity also has downloadable materials available to help you learn about lung cancer. Our Patient Education Booklet Series offers 12 comprehensive booklets written and illustrated clearly to help you understand your loved one's diagnosis and treatment options. Available titles cover each type of lung cancer, non-small cell lung cancer staging, clinical trials, biomarker testing, and various treatment types. We understand that as a caregiver of a lung cancer patient, you may have a unique set of challenges. You can reach out to us anytime at infolongevity.org to find the services you need. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It was something so really wonderful and wonderful partnering with you on this program today. And um, I can't say enough about the Longevity Foundation Helpline. It's very important. And if you, if you aren't familiar with it, please take advantage of it. And also, you probably know about the foundation, but if you don't, a wonderful resource as well. And our last speaker is um, Mr. Wynn Burkle, and Mr. Burkle is a Director of Social services. He's a social worker with our Long Island office and he is a lung cancer program coordinator of cancer care. He's actually an oncology social worker, and Mr. Burkle is going to be discussing um really uh, cancer care's free support programs and our cancer care Hope line as well. It's now my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Mr. Burkle.
6: Thank you, Carolyn. You know, a few years ago, I met a lung cancer survivor from Western Canada who was training caregivers like yourselves on on how to start and lead self-help cancer caregiver support groups. Um, I I was struck by by the guiding theme of her training was uh, "Don't wait for help; it's you." And today, I'm really pleased to commend each of you who connected with this cancer with this connect education workshop. For you didn't wait for help; you reached out and helped yourself. And now that you know that you need not wait but can reach for help immediately, I'm delighted to tell you about some of the many ways in which Cancer Care can assist you with an array of supportive services which you can be connected to. Here's how. Cancer Care's user-friendly website, www.cancercare.org, in addition to providing a wealth of cancer information and topics, serves as a convenient entry point to connect with the many services which Cancer Care makes available free of charge for lung cancer patients and and those who care for them. These services include such things as education and a wide range of supportive assistance resources. Let's look at these services in a bit more detail. Cancer Care's educational programs reach out to include its array of Connect education workshops which provide information on coping with the physical and emotional impacts of cancer. Such as today's workshop, as well as informative workshops on diagnosis specific cancer topics. Replays of these workshops are available both online at CancerCare's website, www.cancercare.org, and via your phone. Many folks find it convenient to download these replays to their iPods and MP3 players to listen to them during their commutes. The education program also provides Cancer Care's popular Connect education booklets, which are available free of charge and are packed with up-to-date information on treatments and the latest coping strategies for cancer patients and those who care for them. Over the years, we've distributed millions of these outstandingly helpful publications. You know, while one is at our website, they can also sign up for Cancer Care's popular free e-newsletter or we'll catch up with our latest informative Copelink blogs. Cancer Care Support Services are provided by its professionally trained staff of experienced oncology social workers who are there to assist folks like you in dealing with the many issues which arise from providing caregiving for lung cancer patients. These issues may include assistance with emotional issues in which the social workers assess clients and provide appropriate, helpful psychosocial interventions, and assistance with practical issues such as financial assistance through Cancer Care's limited financial assistance programs and referral to Cancer Care's own copay assistance foundation and other financial assistance resources. Assistance in resource finding, in which our social workers refer folks to the many organizations and agencies established to help cancer caregivers. Assistance in navigating the system in which cancer care social workers assist people in understanding how to best manage the many new relationships involved in accessing health care. Assistance with communications, which our workers are skilled at helping caregivers learn how to best communicate with their loved ones' health care providers, employers, friends, and family members about their new situation. Cancer Care social workers provide this assistance in a variety of friendly settings, such as at Cancer Care's national office and its regional offices in the tri-state New York metropolitan area, where folks can receive individual and group counseling face-to-face or over the phone where people from across the nation can find immediate assistance by contacting the Cancer Care Hope Line, 1-800-813-H-O-P-E, and longer-term assistance through individual telephone counseling with a Cancer Care social worker, as well as connecting with other people in professionally facilitated telephone support groups and online where people from across the country share concerns in professionally moderated online support groups, which are available 24-7 for participation. Our popular support groups, whether for patient or caregiver, and whether they're experienced in face-to-face, online, or telephone modalities, provide the caregiver with a safe place to share the burdens, feelings, and stress with others who are involved in a very similar situation. There's no need to explain yourself in a support group. They know what you're talking about. Group members share helpful tips and information on how to best cope with the caregiving experience. So many of our support group members talk about belonging to that special caregiver's family, which helps them deal with the practical and emotional burdens of caregiving each day. The professional facilitative skills of Cancer Care's oncology social workers ensure that each support group is maintained as a special place for each and every member. Call us today to learn more about this wonderful resource. You know, I'm sure none of us ever expected to find ourselves as caring for a loved one with lung cancer. But now that you are, be assured that Cancer Care is here when you reach out rather than wait for help. Connect with us at www.cancercare.org well, by calling us at one eight hundred eight one three, hope H O P E. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Merkel. That was really wonderful and uh, very informative, and also. Um, a way to access all these resources from Cancer Care that you may all wish to get. They're all free. And now we do have time for questions, and I'm going to ask Norma to, uh, to, to uh, explain to all of you how to cure for questions. And as I said before, you can either ask a question, or if there's a, a, if you've developed a system that really works well, please share it with all of us, because um, who but each of you can actually share things that you have found to be very particularly helpful um, in in coping with the holidays or in coping in general as a caregiver. So I'm going to turn this now over to Norma, and she will explain to you how to queue up.
0: Thank you, Dr. Messner. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then one on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking ask a question. Our first question comes from Mallory M. Your line is open.
7: Thank you all very much. I'm not Mallory, my name is Phil, I'm a caregiver. And thank you all very much for doing what you're doing. It's the first time I've sat in on this and I appreciate all of you all being there and and presenting this information. Very knowledgeable, it's nice to know we're not alone in this and that uh, we're able to share. Um, Our question, my question is, uh, the bedside manner of our treatment doctor. we have just finished. She has just finished round four of two chemo drugs and katruda. The chemo drugs will go away. We will be on a maintenance of Keytruda every three weeks. And her doctor. Uh, first off, I'm not. I'm not here to beat the doctor up. Doctors have a very difficult job, I believe, in dealing with this type of these, these patients. It's not a happy place for the doctors to be. I'm sure. There's a lot of burnout. I don't know I, I, I respect the doctor, let's put it that way. But I, I don't know how to address um the fact that that um we had asked we were we were having a discussion with the doctor and we said we, we asked Well, now that the chemo is going away, what will the side effects of katruda be? And he just kinda of threw up his hands and said, You know what the side effects are, you've already gone through because we've been on Katruda for four for for four sessions, and it kind of shut down any any ability for us to want to continue or to try and continue to ask questions. And again, I'm not beating him up. I don't know how to. I'm not a and, I'm not a confrontational person.
1: And do you have a comment and, that you? Is there a question you wanted to ask, or is there something you'd like to um, have us address here? Good points you How, point how, you're how do we?
7: How do we talk to our doctor? About when, when it seems like he wants to shut the conversation down. Okay. I want to be respectful of the doctor, but I want to be respectful of us. I don't okay, know how that's to. Excellent. To,
1: that's
7: excellent. That's I don't know how to point. start that conversation with him. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, and you're actually raising a very good point. Um, I'm going to ask Dr. Lai to, to it, address that, and I think she might be in a very good position, and I'll have others address it as well. But just to, what happens when when you get that response, like you've already been through it, you know what to experience. Are um, there things um, or others as well that one might say that uh, it, it is difficult, and and then and then what you need that you still want to have that discussion open is what you're saying. So, do you want to start Dr. Lai with that?
2: Uh, sure. Um, and uh, thank you for the comment. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you, ha- you and your loved one had to uh, go through that experience. Um, it, it, it does make it. It's a challenging situation to be in. Um, I think. Uh, you know, it's it's a working relationship between the healthcare providers and um, the patient and the caregivers. And ultimately, um, we all want patients to feel comfortable with their care team, to feel confident in their care team. Um, I think that it sounds like so far the the working relationship has been uh, going very well, specifically with regards to reviewing uh, re reviewing side effects of um a specific drug. I my recommendation would be really just to try again at the next visit. Um I hope ideally in person and really just um emphasize that this is this is something that's very important to you um and your loved one with uh lung cancer and um your healthcare provider should Uh, should we review everything um, um, on request, uh, even if it's something that's been reviewed in the past. Um, We we understand that patients and their loved ones receive a lot of information at each visit, and it's difficult to process all of it, and even if you've heard it once or twice or three times, that's not enough, and sometimes you do need that repetition. And so uh, my recommendation would be, Just to um, do already what you're doing, advocate for your loved one, um, tell them directly that this is something that's very important, and it's important that you maintain an open channel of communication, and it's important for you to understand what the side effects are for this particular drug on its own so that you can learn to watch out for those side effects and report that back to the um, treating um, team. And so I think that for most providers, I don't know if it was just a particularly difficult day for them, um, and and hopefully that was just a a one-time experience. But I think if you bring it up again in clinic um, and start the conversation again, things um, will likely improve.
1: Thank you. And is there anything about Katrina that would... Prompt that sort of response, or no, not? If it's really just an, uh, an aberrant response by the by the physician, but other things do. Does it um, does it cha- Does the response do the side effects change over time? So really, it may not be exactly the same each time.
2: Um, the side effects of um, Keytruda should not change over time. Um, really, in that situation where you're dropping mm-hmm. two chemotherapies and just maintaining maintaining the mm-hmm. Keytruda, um, really, it's just focusing more on the most common side effects. That come from Keytruda itself, Um, and there are differences. While there are overlapping um, side effects, there are different, uh, distinct um, side effects for each category of drugs. So I do think that it's worth reviewing, and if it's something that, that's, um, that's a concern for the patient or a caregiver, it's something definitely worth addressing in clinic.
1: So really a very good question to have asked because, actually, in other words, some agitations are being dropped, so the issue is what, is, what exactly can they expect from protrude is what you're saying? Uh, that makes perfect on sense.
2: On its
4: own, correct.
1: Yeah, on its own. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's a great question. Now, others may want to add. Um, Ms. Flynn, do you want to add anything to that?
4: Sure. And I want to thank Phil for his question because I think we run into this um, many times during our life. and. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Um, so I really appreciate your question and your persistence, too, um, to, to ask how to manage this. And um, I would say, um, one, it's definitely a valid question. Um, yes, you need to know the side effects. Um, and to be honest with that physician um, and say at the time, well maybe I could get, you know, I really want my question answered one, um ask it again, um and say I'm asking because um I I don't have enough information, maybe you can print out that information for me so that I can um take it home and read it. Um and also to pull another healthcare team member in. Um if if that um particular physician isn't being responsive they may not just be hearing what your question is um they're they're um, perhaps charting or maybe doing a little bit distracted um, at that time. I'm not making excuses at all, um, but pull a nurse in, pull um, maybe a social worker in and say, you know, I still have questions. Um, I, I would like to have them answered. Um, being persistent like you are being um, is is the key. Um, and I, I tell my patients that maybe have had a, a, a unpleasant experience um with the healthcare team that this isn't McDonald's. Um, It's not just kind of one drive by, get your meal, and then you never see that person again. This is someone that you're gonna um, be seeing week after week, month after month. And so it's important to have that open communication. And so um, I really thank you for your honesty um, and, uh encourage you to try again as you are doing um to maintain this relationship and um to get your questions answered. So thank you so much, Phil, um, for your question.
1: Excellent. And Doctor Monica, do you want d I'm sorry, Doctor yeah, Doctor do you want to add anything as well?
4: You know, I think the other
3: Dr. Lai and, and Ms. Lynn actually did a great job answering that question. I would agree. I think be persistent and know that your questions are valid and that
1: your feelings are valid, so keep asking. And does anyone else want to add anything to that? When do you, Mr. Burkle, do you want to add anything as well?
6: Uh, just sometimes we, we we need to tell the professionals how valuable they are, and sometimes it can help to schmooze a little bit and say, your advice is always so helpful, and then ask your question. Um, sometimes we need to kind of sugar, sugar it up a little bit uh, b- before we uh, go for the question.
1: That's a very good point, and I was actually going to come up with something else. I'm going to mention this other thing, which is just the – it's kind of – you do all always have the option, and you probably all know this, is that and it's difficult sometimes to think about this, but sometimes if this were to continue, if the conversation were to continue to be non-responsive to your needs, obviously people do have a right to seek a second opinion. Um, but it sounds like there are many other things that can be done before you decide to do that. But indeed, if it's a pattern that some of you may be experiencing repeatedly in visits when you've tried everything that there is, um, then I guess I should check with our other speakers if they agree. But a second opinion sometimes is certainly noteworthy, um, particularly when it's just not you're just not getting the information and support that you need, um, and particularly from any member of the healthcare team, but often it is the, the physician that you're talking to if they're you know, if it just happened to be a bad day, or if indeed it's a bad day all the time, every time you see them, does that make sense to everybody? Dr. Lai, do you what are your thoughts about a second opinion? Oh, Dr. Light, your thoughts about a second opinion.
2: Um, I, I apologize, my uh, line cut off for just a little bit. Um, oh. Could you? So, the in place? terms of
1: a second opinion, sometimes, so do, although and I think the idea, I think Gwen had mentioned the possibility of just being really much saying how important the feedback was from one physician and it was so helpful. And then, mm-hmm. if none of that all that works and all the suggestions have been made, then sometimes people do think about seeing a second opinion because they have a right to do that. And if it's if it's just not working every time they see a physician.
2: Yeah. Um with regards to second opinions, you know, we I I know it's not necessarily the same at uh, most places. I do think that most places and most physicians are um open to the idea of second opinions. We certainly encourage it. Um I think it, it is sometimes an uncomfortable topic for um patients and their loved ones to bring up. Um but I think I think ultimately um regardless of what the uh what the treating physician or uh healthcare provider um feels the most important thing is that the patient and their loved ones feel comfortable with the team and sometimes it may not be uh anything personal it may just be the fit um and the style is a little bit different um certain uh physicians communicate in uh different ways different uh, manners and some uh, patients and families are more receptive and like one way or the other, and so we certainly don't um, take anything personally and I would say uh, i I would say if 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 a patient or their family feels that a second opinion is necessary i it's something that we encourage and um, ultimately uh, it, the the patient's the most important. they have to feel comfortable with um with their provider.
1: Excellent, thank you, and thank you, Phil. That was an excellent first question. We really, um, we could do a whole, we could actually do a whole presentation on that topic alone. So thank you for that. Um, we have a time, so that thank you for, for bringing that up and and um and, so, and being in so much of response from all the the team members as well here. And we have another question from one of our um, online participants. Um, my brother lives about a half hour away, and my sister lives about three hours away. How do I tell them I need their help? Um, they have families, and I don't want to burden them, but I don't think I can continue without leaving work, which is not an option financially. So here's somebody who's a caregiver um, and um, and needing help with um, taking care of uh, um, a loved one with lung cancer. Um, Ms. Flynn, do you want to address that?
4: Sure, I'd be happy to. Um and so we run into families that um aren't always local um or they're local but you know I'm in the Washington DC area. So local plus traffic is um sometimes 3 hours away. Um when it's really uh without traffic a 30 minute drive. And so um and I also acknowledge that you don't want to burden other family members um, with some caregiving responsibilities. Um, and I have to encourage you to be brave. Um, it's not a burden um, to share with them what a day in the life of your caregiving um, responsibilities are and to reach out to those family members to say, how can you help me? Um, and to be creative, um, you know maybe um a family member um has monday's off or they can adjust their schedule so that um Mondays um, you don't have to worry about leaving work early for medical appointments and that you could schedule appointments for that day and maybe you work later on a Tuesday um, or another day um, because a family member can cover that schedule. Um, I'd also encourage um, not only family members um, but if your loved one is involved with um, other social groups um, within the community um, or a church group that this is a great opportunity when um, you're at work um, that they might be able to take that loved one to a medical appointment or to pick up a prescription if you feel comfortable um, or maybe just coming to your house and sitting with your loved one um, and playing a game of a a board game um, or maybe watching Jeopardy on the TV uh, as a rerun um, for that particular time that um, people won't know what you're going through if you don't Um, talk about it and share and reach out and ask for help. Um, This is the time to ask for help. And people, um, believe it or not, they want to help. Think about yourself. I bet you are a giver and have made meals for people, taken people to medical appointments. Um, And this is kind of, um, you know, this is how we can have other people um, kind of pay us back for those times that we did that. Um, So I would encourage you to, to just reach out to those families. Members and be creative with the scheduling.
1: Excellent. And Dr. Malika, do you want to add anything as
4: well?
3: Yeah, I think Ms. Flynn made some really great points. I would add that I think it's really important to be very specific with what you need. So instead of saying, I need, uh, say, starting by saying I need help is great, but then tell them what kind of help you need. So driving to medical appointments or um or sitting with them. So be very specific and tell them what you need and when. Um and then I would I would also encourage you to sort of the more people that are involved, the the more the work is spread out among those people. So so think carefully about your social networks and and people that you can tap into for
1: specific things like making meals. Um well I have to say that this has been this has been an amazing call. I have to say that we've really um covered a lot of uh, important uh, areas in this in this program today and uh I um I uh, I just want to thank our speakers who've been terrific and I also want to thank all of our Uh, participants who've uh, actually been on the call and those who've asked such great questions, actually very extensive questions that really, um, so we really um, appreciate that as well. I want to remind all of you this is a one-hour program. It looks like we could go on for quite a bit longer, but of course um, this is a one-hour program. And so I want to get back to the fact that some of you still have questions to ask or you may have had questions and didn't um, actually um, have a chance to uh, ask your question um so um uh, um so actually if you uh, didn't so either way, um you definitely want to go back to treating healthcare team with any question you have, and for those of you who asked for Phil who asked a question about how to approach the healthcare team to try some of the techniques they were offered to see if that makes a difference in the communication um and um And then um, I know some of you like to actually check out other credible sites in addition to your physicians. So we want you to go to credible sites. And so the Longevity Foundation, their helpline is a wonderful resource. Cancer Care is another great resource. And um, also um, there are a number of other lung cancer organizations that you can reach out to, um, as well as a number of cancer organizations. And you'll be getting an evaluation um, on the program um, in a, uh, shortly, um, actually probably within about two days. And when you get the evaluation, the evaluation isn't just an evaluation. It will also include all the resources that our speakers um, address during the call or, or that we want you to have, um, actually, that we may have sent to you before for this call. And as been said on the call, most importantly, as a caregiver, we don't want you to feel alone. We want you to now know that you're part of a community of support, and there's a lot of support out there for you, and we want you to be sure to take advantage of it um, and use it. We know that you will at times feel alone, but we want you also to know that, we're, that there are people out there that can help you, and um, a lot of the organizations that we're going to be sending information about will help you, and there's no cost for it. So I want to thank you all
0: for your participation today,
1: and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all.